Now, something that I um, am very, very excited to discuss this morning, and I have been discussing since like 6 in the a.m., is everything that we're seeing that's happening with women around the country. Uh, One can argue around the world, um, but I want to specifically talk about what's happening here in Kenya because there's a problem. There's a really big problem. And I was saying earlier with a lot of zest and passion that it's a lot easier for us as a nation and as a people to constantly talk about things like politics because, you know, politics especially comes down to power and money. But people get very awkward when you're talking about bodies um, and when you're talking about death and when you're talking about violence. Um, And especially as we usually see it here, it's it's against women. Women are more oft than not the actual victims. And we're seeing now how things are getting super out of control um, with the beheadings and the cutting off of breasts and all these bizarre things that are happening. So I think now is the time for us to really pick up this conversation and hopefully not drop it like a hot potato because another hot topic or something else comes. Uh, but we really stay on this and focus and take it seriously and give it the attention it deserves for a prolonged period of time. This having been said, I'm very excited and happy to introduce Wangeshi Washira. She is the executive director of the Center for Rights, Education, and Awareness, known uh, as CREW, by short, CREW Kenya. And welcome to the show, Angeshi. Thank you. Thank you so much, Wanjira. I am happy to be here this morning. But I must say that not very happy of to course. be here because of the conversation that we are going to be talking about today, right. about women, about girls, um, about killing of women mm. that has been happening for the last number. Well, it has been happening for a long time, but I think the cases that have happened just the beginning of the year is mm. shocking, and it's something that we must be able to talk about it and really look for solutions as a people. Right. Which I love that you said that because I actually asked earlier, can we get some solutions in this place? Can Can you as a listener... Tell me what are your thoughts, what's on your mind, and, you know, how can we change this narrative? How can we change our actions? Um, I would love to start with what crew means to you and the kind of work that you are all involved in, because as the executive director, I'm sure you have a mouthful there. Oh, yes, I do. And (laughs) thank you, Andrea, because the work that we do resonates with the women and girls in different parts of the country. So we are a women's rights organization Mm -hmm. based here in Nairobi, but our work also has footprints in other parts of the country. In total, we are in about uh, 20 counties in the country and a focus on women and girls and looking at how can we make their lives better? Mm. How can they live a life that is fulfilling? but also an environ- living in an environment that is safe and secure. And some of the things that we have been able to do, one, we provide legal support to women who are survivors of violence. So we are able to Great. give them advice. GBV, that is, gender-based yeah. violence? Gender-based okay. violence. Mm-hmm. We're able to give them advice. We're able to represent them in court. Mm. We're able to provide psychosocial support. And in there, I think it's important for me to highlight that we run a toll-free line, meaning if we have a survivor of violence that they can be able to call. We have a national toll line, uh, to- toll-free line, which is 1196. But as an organization, we also run our own toll-free line, which is let me just put the number so that Go someone ahead, please, can please, be, able please. be able to get the number. Absolutely. The, the number is 0800 720 
1-866-386-186. That's a toll-free line, and someone can be able to call, and once they call, then they can be able to get the kind of support that they need to do, whether it's legal, whether it's psychosocial support. We're also very, very passionate about working with young girls for them to come back to school. Mm-hmm. We are also very big about economic empowerment, mm. and our economic empowerment is related to violence against women because our economic empowerment has been looking at women who are survivors of violence so that they can be able to make uh, different decisions. And finally, we're also very, very important. Uh, we're very, very passionate about getting more women into leadership position because once women get into leadership positions, then they're able to talk, they're able to articulate issues that are affecting women from their communities. So we work with women at the county level, which mm. is the assembly, right. at the national assembly, but we're also very big about movement building. Right. So we're working with very, very grassroots organizations so that in their communities, they're able to identify their issues. They're able to voice those issues, but also find uh, solutions within their community. And for me, the conversation we have this morning about femicide is one of the issues that the women of Kenya are tired about it. They want to talk about it. They want to put it behind, but also we address the person who is perpetrating this one. Right. Yes. Right. And yes. and who's that person? I mean, I think for us, let's first define what is femicide. Okay. Because what please. we have seen, I mean, this, what is this big word known right. as femicide? <laughs> right. That sounds very, very big. Yeah. Um, and for me, when you talk about femicide, is intentional killing of women. Right. Very, very intentional mm. killing of women. And it you can. Its be, roots are based in you know uh, misogyny. Oh yes, oh yeah. yes, it's, 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 it's about men who, don't, mm. who, who hate women mm. and, and going ahead to kill them. Mm-hmm. And when you look at how it is happening, it's intimate. When, right. about in, when I talk about intimate, it means that the people who are killing women, they are known to these women. It's either a boyfriend, it's either a husband, it's either an ex-boyfriend, mm-hmm. it's an, about an ex-husband. Um, and that's a big population, yeah. which is about... 85%. And then you have another small percent, which is 15%, uh-huh. which are non-intimate, uh, viola- uh, intimate known to this uh, woman. So when you look at really the question you're asking, right. who is violating the women? I think the data is already telling us that it's about um, um, uh, um, a male figure mm. who has been the life of this woman. And if about 75% are the ones who are killing, then we must be able to have a conversation with, with the men and uh, also speak to the young boys so that then this does not yes. continue. Yes, yeah? because it, yeah, education starts young, right? Um, and knowledge is power. Before we take a break, the National Demographic Health Survey of 2022 reported that 34% of women experience physical violence. 34% is a whopping amount. Okay, We are actually talking about Kenya when I say the National Demographic Health Survey. This translates to, all right, just so you have an idea, that one out of every three women in Kenya is at risk of femicide. That's true. And Wanjira, I think before you take a break, I think very, very important is also to be able to show um, how does the data um, because for me, I keep saying that uh, if we are not able to count this, mm-hmm. if we are not able to measure, we are not able to value. Right. That's why data is important. When you look at the cases of femicide at a global level, mm-hmm. the numbers are big. Um, for example, in Africa, we have a UNODC report. That's uh-huh. a report that exists for 2022. Mm-hmm. And what the data is showing, Africa is actually leading. Mm. In cases of femicide, we have about That's sad. 22, um, 20,000 uh, 20, women who reported in 2022 as survivors of, or actually would say. Is this in Kenya? No, no. Oh. 20,000 is at the global level. Okay. That's Africa. Okay. Mm-hmm. And when we come to Asia, is that 18,400. 18, now, if, when, you'll, if you'll let me, Wangeshi, yeah. I, because this is too riveting and I don't want us to miss a single beat. Let us take this break. We're going to come back. 
And I want you to let me know exactly what that data is amounting to, because as you yourself so rightly said, it can be extraordinarily dangerous to not really listen to the numbers because they give us an even better perspective of how serious and dire the situation is. Runaway love, ludicrous, how apropos as we're having a conversation about the mistreatment and the murder of women in a very intentional, brutal, and horrific way. It's taking Kenya by storm. It's become a big topic. It's something that can't be ignored. And here I have Wangeshi Washira in front of me, the executive director of the Center for Rights Education and Awareness, Crew Kenya, uh, who are here to help victims at some of their most trying times. And hopefully we can avoid, you know, any more stories like this as best as humanly possible. Wangeshi, we were talking about data, about numbers, and you were saying that in Africa, 20,000 cases have been reported. Is this, sorry, just remind us again, was that annually? Was that in a month? How how prevalent is this exactly? Um, thank you. I think data are very, very important so that then we are able to know what we are dealing with. So there's a report that is done by UNODC. Mm-hmm. It's a report for 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, and what they have highlighted, in Africa alone, we had 20,000 women who were killed. 2022. So the data for 2023 not out, not yet out. Right, right, right. But also, I think we need to bring it home so that then we can be able to understand what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Africa Uncensored, uh, which has um, the African Data Hub, what they have done is that they have been collecting stories mm-hmm. of women who have been killed. Mm-hmm. From 2016 to um, 2024, we have 500 women mm-hmm. who have been killed as a result of femicide. Mm-hmm. But also, there's also one other organization, and I, I, I really am happy that someone has been able to document this because we do not have data from our government. So someone else is actually weightlifting and ensuring that that gap is filled. So there's an organization that, that is called Femicide Count Kenya. Okay. And the organization, what they have been doing in 2019, they had reported, and this is a cases that are reported in the media. Mm-hmm. Never mind, there are so many cases that never then get to the media. Right. So in 2019, we had 111 cases. In 2020, we had 80 cases. In 2021, we had 64 cases. 2022, we had 92 uh, cases. Last year, the country had more cases, uh, which are 152 today in 2024 and what's the day today again we are the 23rd of january we already have five cases and and we haven't even added the case of the woman who last night was killed right right we already this is 23rd january 2024 Mm. we already have cases of femicide those numbers should tell us something something must be able to be done because also we also have counties that are leading when it comes to cases of femicide in the country Mm -hmm. Nairobi is leading um kambu is leading nakuru is leading and when i mention about these counties is only what has been documented meaning there is so much more of course yeah there's a lot of stuff that flies under the radar exactly right because there's also a lot of stigma that's associated with these things right Yes, there is a lot of stigma, and also is that a lot of um, uh, women. Um, I mean, the country has normalized violence. Right. When you go to the online conversation that is happening, it's really saddening, Wanjira, when you look at the online Absolutely. conversation. There's a lot of victim, victim blaming. Yep. Even when the woman has been killed, she is being uh, blamed for. Why uh, did she wear that? Why was she talking to so-and-so? Why is she on apps? I'm like, what, what, doing just normal things that human beings do. 
Precisely. So there is a lot of normalization. And what is happening is that when you see the normalization that is happening online, the next thing that is happening, then it becoming physical. Right. The next thing that is happening is that then they become cases of, of murder. And never mind that. Uh, I think it's also important to say that when we say that when the, uh, the prevalence happens with intimate partner violence, meaning some of the homes are not even safe. Right. Many women, we saw that over COVID, that a lot yes. of women, not only in Kenya, but globally, we saw a lot of women. There was a lot of femicide in places like Italy. Exactly. Yeah. Meaning homes. The U.S. Never, homes, yeah. Some homes are not safe for women. Mm. And therefore, our interventions can only not be saying that uh, where are women? Women might, must be everywhere. Women must occupy all the spaces, but also must also be feeling that they are safe yeah. and, and they're able to do the things that they, they love to do. And, and limiting them and saying, where were you? What were you wearing? Who are you with? I mean, why or saying that's your husband, you know, I mean, I remember reading Trevor Noah's Born a Crime and in the book he details how his mother went severally begging, 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 please, please, please to police in South Africa. Can you help me? My husband beats the living daylights out of me. And they would laugh in her face and say, that's your husband. Handle your your internal affairs internally. Don't involve us. And she got trod. And she happened to live, thank God. But, I mean, the trauma and why even does she have to go through this and get physically abused until it turns out that the guy brings a gun and just shoots, you know, shoots her up. And and very, very important, I think we have a very, very missing gap when it comes to our police. Yes. Look at the cases of um, Wahoo who was killed early in the year. Yes. It means that uh, there are so many other women after who were Air killed. quotes around earlier in the year because it's like literally the beginning of the year. But beginning yeah, I get what you year. mean. Yeah. And, and Ali, maybe I should be saying a few weeks a ago. A few weeks ago. That's, yeah, yeah. And, and what happened is after that, there are so many other women who came out and said that I have been violated. I reported this matter to the police, but no action that is taken. But now that is uh, happening, you can see then the police going back and say, oh yeah, this matter had been reported. This perpetrator had been reported. Right. Yeah. In but May. In May. Yeah. But but nobody took action. No. What does that then tell us? This, the police is failing women. On this case, we have seen them that till someone is killed, that's the time they are going then to Take some action, mm. but I think there is more that need to be happening. So I have a, so I absolutely I think there is no uh, argument about the fact that there's more that needs to be happening. But I'm also wondering, well, Geshi, you would know better than than we would probably. What, well, hopefully, what has femicide increased, or are we just getting more information now? Thanks to things like social media, um, you know what I mean, and and so now it's getting highlighted, or is it one of those things of like you know media frenzy, and so everybody's just focusing all of a sudden, but really these are the same numbers we've been seeing. Is there a steady increase? Is there a dramatic increase? What's the story there when it comes to that data? I think when you look at that data, is telling us this is not something that is happening today. If you look at the country right now, there was a campaign around my dress, my choice. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I remember. That, yeah. that was 2014, 2015. I had just yeah. moved to Kenya. Yeah. And I remember that was a big thing because women were being sodomized in Matatus. In Matatu. Yeah. And then you remember in 2019, we had Her Life Matters. Yes. In Her Life Matters, we had women, two, 111 women who were killed in that year. I remember organizing another women's rights organization, organizing a vigil at the University of Nairobi. Mm. A big mobilization. We had the then Minister of in Interior and Security, Matiangi, joining the campaign yeah. and, and coming to say this, this must come to, to, be, to come to an end. If you remember, there was a case of Ivy Wangeshi. Mm -hmm. Ivy Wangeshi was a student at the University of, um, in Moi University. Mm -hmm. and, and, and a man lives thicker town, drives all the way, can you imagine, all the way to, um, to Eldoret 
and goes and kills Wangeshi. Ivy Wangeshi, Dr. Wang. By now, she should be white, Dr. Wangeshi. And in a daylight, when everybody can be able to see and kills Wangeshi, mm-hmm. that matter took how many years to court to find it? Right. It took uh, many, many years. It took about five years for the matter to be to be determined. So in the question around um, whether the data is increasing, I think what is happening is uh, there's a lot of highlighting. And I must say it's a big plus to the media because we do not even have data from our government. So mm. the media is taking a very big um, step to be able to highlight these cases, to follow them. But beyond the media, I think we would want to sta- to see the state, our own uh, security coming up and saying, these are the cases of femicide we had within one year. These are the cases that we prevented from happening because we can also not be waiting downstream and say, we're waiting for women to Right, of course. Body. Yeah, heaven and, and, forbid. And, yeah? yeah, they need to do more to be able to prevent. So we would want to see them coming up and saying, these are the cases they prevented because we have an internal... Uh, intelligence. If you remember Wanjira, mm. um, when the first case of COVID was reported in this country, yeah. every day we had data we had statistics. How many people have been uh, been taken to hospital? How many people are likely to be um, um, COVID is likely right. to be spreading? But we don't see the same when it comes to cases of, of femicide. And we have a whole state that is supposed to be giving that data. So I think there is a responsibility for the state to be able to give us that data. That right now is missing and needs to be highlighted and, and needs to be pressed upon. Now is the time to start pushing that button like Matt. Of course, um, you know, we can't have this conversation, Wangeshi, without having a conversation about men I feel like and this is why I also and I've said this since the Morgan um, you know I, this is why this is extraordinarily awkward because people feel that if you start talking about femicide now it becomes a war between men and women and who's better and who's more important and da, 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 and there's an agenda and heaven to bitsies knows what I have a message here uh, from one of our listeners more men are being murdered daily around the world way way more than women Statistics are there for everyone to see, but these numbers don't fit the narrative and agenda of femicide. The conversation should be around what circumstances are making young girls vulnerable and easy targets for these criminals lately in Kenya. I'm going to go ahead and say with my whole chest that the circumstances are that men kill women. Those are the circumstances, point blank, period. It's really that simple. So that's number one. But there is obviously, of course, going to be that question People are always going to wonder, well, why why should we care about femicide, I suppose? Because, you know, men die more oft than than women do when you just look at hard numbers. Can you assist us with that answer? I think for me, Wanjira, and you put it very, very well, there's somebody who is killing the women. It is very, very intentional. Yeah. They are being killed because they are women. Misogyny. That's why it's like it's so important to look it's up so these words. Yeah. It's, it's important for us to be able to, to name it. Yeah. And once we name it, then we are able to, to find solutions. For right. It, solutions for it. Mm. Really Just like misogyny. a disease. Right. Yeah. We must be able to do that because I feel that the conversation around it's about men. It's about women. We have seen cases. They have been documented. Someone has intentionally killed a woman because it's a woman. Mm. And therefore, we must be able to look for solutions. Who are these men who are killing women? Because that's what it, it is. Right now, it has been said it's about women looking for money. Who is not looking for money? All of us. Especially in this economy. Everybody is looking for right? money. It's about, uh, it's about uh, homes. Are we going to regulate our homes? Um, it's about uh, Airbnb. So, Whereas it's important to have regulations, it's important to have the laws in place. Mm. But beyond that, it is men who are killing women. Let's name as it is, and let's not sugarcoat it that, mm. uh, that, that all these other things. Uh, but also look at 
well, how do we address men who are killing women? Mm. I think that we need to talk yeah. about men who are killing women. Because that's literally going to be, that's solution-based now. Yeah. See, when we add that component into the conversation, that's when it becomes solution-based. Exactly, because I'm, I'm ask, I've been asking myself, is it men who are feeling um, that now women at a place that they're able to raise their voices, that they're able to have uh, li- uh, more Yes, <laughs> I'm going to answer yeah. you and say yes. And, and therefore being, uh, being attacked because of the very nature that they're women. Mm. And is it men who are feeling insecure? How do you, how does the modern man then be able to recognize? We must be able to coexist and, as, because as now women. there's a modern woman because there's a modern society. Exactly, and and violence is not the solution. No, and and to think about it that someone goes ahead and kills and they know that they are going to jail um, for life uh, imprisonment, but they go they go ahead and, and and do it, meaning that there's a lot of impunity. Mm, yeah, there's a lot of, of impunity mm-hmm. when these matters are reported. Um, whether it starts as a, it starts as a, it's, it's, it starts um, as a, um, emotional violence, it starts as physical violence before it leads to the into death. But because someone got away with all these other forms of, 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 of violence, by the time he's getting to um, to killing, it meant that they have they have gotten away with so many other forms of, gen- of, of right. gender-based violence. And therefore... Just the like you were explaining killing. before how somebody had made yeah. a complaint, that woman had made a complaint, this person harassed me, this person violated me um, in a very brutal way, and it fell on deaf ears. It's true. It's true. No so, actions were taken. Yeah. So we must be able to bring the men on board into this conversation. And not the, the conversation that comes to attack women. It's not the conversation that comes to blame women. It's not the conversation that comes to shame women. It's a conversation to ask men. How is it that you can be more supportive and not killing right. women? Who are these men? Where are they coming from? Which part of the country are even coming from? Because I think we need to go deeper. Well, like you said, I mean, and, and, and from what we're seeing, literally looking at the data, it's all over the country. It's all over the country. It's it's not in one place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. literally it's c- central, the, the capital, you know, north, west, east, south, and that's what makes it truly terrifying. Yeah. That's what makes it truly terrifying. Ooh, love the way you lie. Eminem and Mabe, Rihanna, having a heated discussion here in studio between myself, Wangeshi, and Chico Lawi. Not because I think we're necessarily disagreeing, um, but it's just very hard. <laughs> hey, Wangeshi, you see how this is going to be an uphill battle? It is going this to is be an uphill. uphill. You know that, but you know that better than anyone else, right? Yes. This is an executive director of a place like Crew. Um, shout out to Agoy. She said, also, you know, when it comes to this conversation, it's not a competition. The fact is, femicide is happening. Exactly. And why does it feel seem like these men really hate these women? Uh, I know that we have been talking uh, extensively about how a lot of this, these femicide cases are... Uh, come with a form of familiarity, particularly like um, it's a lover or a former lover or a, you know, husband, etc., etc. But sometimes, you know, as you said, it's just people knowing each other. That's true. There's some sort of familiarity. And um, those can still be extraordinarily violent cases, you know. Uh, what springs to mind is the story that came out, was it last year? Um, uh, at the end of 2022, when an employer was m- brutally murdered by her employee on her farm. And she was tied up. And that's that's a very, you know, there are ways, if you understand crime, then you know that also 
when when professionals are talking about crime, there are extremely intimate ways that sometimes people can commit crime. It's one thing to just shoot somebody from far away and they die. It's another to tie them up and shoot them point blank severally and then stab them and da 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 da. Mm-hmm. I mean, not the nicest things you want to hear in the morning, but this is, you know, this is a fact of life and how some, you know, things are are playing out. And so I think when also you realize that, um, you realize how how serious the situation is and the severity of the situation. That it could be, yes, a boyfriend or a husband, but it could also just be somebody that you met, somebody that you were talking to, somebody that you worked with. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. And that's what makes it so absolutely petrifying and why femicide is so scary. Yeah, And I think in addition to what you said, Wanjira, it's very, very important. When you look at those cases, um, when you look at the women who have been killed, mm. you can actually be see someone was raped. Yeah. yeah, there's an incident of rape. Someone yeah. was dis- uh, sexual was dis- assaulted. Yes, was sexually assaulted. Someone, was, their body was dismembered. Yeah, when you look right, at it, somebody was hacked. Someone was burned. Sodomy, someone like these kinds of things. Yeah. yeah, somebody was cut. Meaning that the person who there's a lot of anger. Yeah, the person who that's fury. This person who did this had a lot of anger. Mm. That when they were doing this, their intention was to was, harm, was, to end pain. Was to harm. Was was prepared. They conceived it, and then they went ahead and 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 executed it. When you look at the bodies, last week alone, when you saw the woman who was killed, she was she was actually beheaded. Like part of her body was left in a room, and then her head was taken away to a dam. So you can actually be able to see the person yeah. who did this had intentions to kill. They didn't. Ha- they 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 actually prepared to do it, and therefore we must be able to hold them accountable. Right now, where we are. Without that accountability, right. I think this is going to be normalized. And we are a society that slowly is normalizing violence. When you come to institutions that are supposed to be giving us support, when you go to the police, right. the investigation takes so long to happen. When you go to the person who is uh, doing the prosecution, the matters take so long. When you go to cases, then finally finally get into court, when you're finally happy that your matter has gotten to court, mm. then it takes another five years for the matter to be heard. What does it mean for the survivor? You can imagine, for example, the case of Ivy Wangeshi. She's from Mudaya. Mm. The parents took her to Eldoret to go study and become a doctor. And then their daughter is killed. Meaning, during these five years, they have to remember, we left uh, Mudaya to go all the way to Eldoret to follow up on the matter of our daughter who was killed. Mm. And finally, does that even look like justice? Fine, this man has gone to ba- uh, has go- has been sentenced for forty years, right? And judiciary has done that. But is that the form of justice that family was looking for? Is there room to even think about reparation mm. for those families? We are not able to bring back her life, but is there a form to look at how the current form of justice does it even resonate with this family, or it's a, a criminal justice system that only takes is flawed? Own. Yeah, it's, flawed. it's, it's yeah. colonial, and therefore it is. Yeah, it's really archaic. To, yeah, we really need to look at how does our justice. Uh, look like and how does this family really feel that they receive justice for losing their child quickly I, I because I know we have to have some parting shots uh, as we get into news but there are two things one you said something really really great you said it's colonial and colonial is archaic and I think that as Africans sometimes we also have this horrible mentality whereby we kind of look you know all Google Gaga at the West like they know what's going on but women are dying everywhere in the world by at the hands of men okay from femicide um, so you know you, you have to make sure you get with the program this also goes back to what we said modern modern men modern women modern society modern solutions solutions do we need like 
a different police force or something of this nature that is very, very well trained on dealing with these kinds of matters? Do you think that that would be something that could assist? Is it Should it be voluntary as opposed to something government-related? If it's government-backed, are we sure if the government is still failing us now that we're, that things are going to change, that there is going to be protection? I think for a fact we need a state-funded police because that's the only way that is sustainable. But beyond the police being uh, state, because police... Um, uh, on the on the when it comes to the whole um, support for survivors of, of gender-based violence mm-hmm. or any survivor, the police are in that person, and therefore we need uh, police officers who are sensitive, who are trained. Um, there is an ambitious plan, for example, to set up Polycare. Polycare is one center that had been very big ambitions that is going to be one-stop center, and when the survivor comes here, they are able to get all the services, whether it's the police, whether it's a prosecutor, whether it's a shelter, whether it's um, I mean forensic, everybody under one roof. Unfortunately, they only did a small bit in Nairobi and and, um, and did a pilot in Nanyuki, mm. in, in Batuk. Okay. So that is a promising um, program or intervention that can be able to be upscaled in, in different parts of the country. And they can be able to work with the county in terms of brick and mortar, mm. in terms of land. The counties can be able to provide that. I think this government we have right now, in their manifesto, if you remember, Anjira, they promised that women in this country are going to be safe and secure. Can they be able to deliver that? Can they have police officers that are trained, that they are well equipped, that yeah. they are not going to tell women go back and resolve their issues? And the issues that they are coming, by the time someone got courage to go to a police station, it, 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 took, it takes courage to do that. But when you tell them to go back to the same home and resolve with a perpetrator, what exactly are we seeing them? We're actually telling them, go and be killed. Right. So somebody actually, if they do that, they need to be held accountable. They didn't take up the matter. They didn't do the investigation. The matter was not brought in, uh, in court in the, in the best time uh, possible. And the fact that it continues to be normalized, I think for me, is unacceptable and it shouldn't be happening. And that is that. Uh, Somebody has actually messaged us and said, I come from Kiamba. I like the dam where the tragedy happened. And it's so sad. And I think that that just goes to show, you know, we're a community, everyone. So we all have to be helping each other. We all have to be, you know, rising up together. Um, If one of our listeners can actually say, oh, but I'm just I'm just from there. That damn, I know it very intimately. In fact, he goes on to say, I've been pushing for guys to stop cutting the trees. It's an extraordinarily peaceful in all caps place, especially those same trees that I saw in the horrifying videos. I mean, it, it needs to come to an end. It needs to come to an end. We need to go back to our Nyumbakumi so that we know mm. with our neighbor. We need to know what is happening. But also, we cannot continue normalizing violence. No. Whether it's physical violence, whether it's... Verbal violence, violence psychological also, abuse, etc. Before, Wanjira, before it gets to... You're right. It started with right. verbal. It started with uh, with physical. And we normalized and we said, ni mambo ya nyumbani, mm. what resolve. Si mambo ya nyumbani. Mm. By the time a woman, for example, last night was killed in Kisumu, mm. I'm sure. Mm. If, in fact, if you see the people, the testimonies that come after that, we knew this home was going through violence. But what did they do? Mm. They became, they just zipped their, their mouth. It never talked about it. And it then became normal. <sighs> It's it's a really tough conversation. I'm I'm still really happy that we had it. Thank you so much, Wangeshi, for all the work that you do and for coming here and for shining a light on that and hopefully, you know, to many more conversations. And most importantly, this discourse actually leads to 
solutions. The solutions. And, and I must say that uh, on Saturday, we have women in different parts of the country who are mobilizing just really to raise their, their voices. Mm. There is a demonstration. There is picketing because it's within, their cons- within our constitution right to talk about these issues. Yeah. I think the more spaces we talk about this, the yes. more it gets attention. But for me, beyond speaking about this, we have seen goodwill, right. quote, unquote. Mm-hmm. We've seen the statement from the office of the, of the president mm-hmm. advisor. We've seen a statement from the the cabinet secretary but I think for me we need to go beyond the statement the statements are nice they make us yeah vibes they make us feel warm and fuzzy and like something's being done but we need to see action you gotta walk the walk in addition to talking the talk would you be so kind as to give us that phone number one more time our toll free line that you can be able to call we have the national toll free line which is 1196 that can be accessed by everybody in the different parts of the country crew also runs a toll free line which is zero Eight double zero seven twenty one eighty six from the comfort of their home, a place that you feel you're safe. You can be able to call for free, and you'll be able to get the support that you need. Thank you. Thank you.